Coming up on Please Bear With Me, I break down Baylor, Kansas State. Look ahead to Texas. We have midseason report cards and the top five Baylor quarterbacks of this decade. This is Please Bear With Me. Welcome into this week's edition of Please Bear With Me, your go-to podcast for all things Baylor football. My name is Scotty Swingler, and I'm so thankful to be talking to you this week as we discuss Baylor football. We've got a lot to talk about. Big win this past weekend over Kansas State. Huge game coming up in Austin this coming Saturday against the University of Texas, and I am super excited to see how it all plays out. Let me begin really quickly by just saying a big thank you to those of you who reached out to me via Twitter. I know we did not have an episode last week. There's a couple of reasons for that. For one thing, my anticipated guest failed to make contact with me when we had agreed to talk, and I never got in touch with him in a timely manner to put out an episode. I was really excited about this particular guest. I won't say his name, but... Anyway, that didn't work out, so that was part of why the episode sort of fell through last week. And secondly, and I won't go into details, but the past two weeks have been two of the most difficult weeks in my life. Uh, really, really tough on my emotional and mental health, and it's just been a rough go. And so I do appreciate you guys understanding. And again, without going into any detail, I, I do appreciate your prayers and I appreciate the support and happy to be back talking to you this week as we prepare to see Baylor play Texas on Saturday. So to begin, I'd like to just break down what we saw against Kansas State. And at this point in the week, it, you know, this this episode's coming to you later in the week, I realize I think most of what needs to be said has been said. And so I'll just tell you real simply the three big takeaways I had from Kansas State. Number one, Really impressed with the team that would not quit in the fourth quarter. There were a lot of opportunities for Baylor to quit, to lie down, to let Kansas State just walk all over them as the game came to a conclusion, to give up that big home win and instead lose, and Baylor did not do that. I really appreciated the way the team fought, even though there were certainly some mistakes on every side of the ball. I thought the effort and the hustle and the heart that the Baylor Bears showed was excellent. It was a night and day difference from Duke, especially the first half against Duke when they just looked lethargic and not really excited to play football. They looked ready to play against Kansas State. And even though I wasn't 100% pleased with their performance, a win is a win is a win. (laughs) And we should be excited for that. And to win in the fashion in which they did, I was impressed. I was happy, proud of the guys. So that was the first big takeaway. My second big takeaway is it just continues to be the same thing, right? These big plays, these big plays. I think I read somewhere that before Kansas State played against Baylor, they only had one touchdown play of longer than 20 yards and they had four against us. Whoa, like that is a problem. And I know that it it probably sounds like I'm just harping on the same thing week to week, but really that is by far the biggest weakness of this football team is giving up the big play on defense. If we could correct that, 
I think this team could be excellent. The offense finally looks like it's coming together. The defense makes big plays, right? Lots of sacks this past Saturday. Two interceptions, which I've been saying I want to see more turnovers from this team. Two big picks this past weekend is great. But we continue to give up the big, crippling, soul-crushing play, right? That has to improve. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't think it's talent. I really don't think it's talent. I think the pieces, talent-wise, are there, but there continues to be these 18-wheeler-sized holes for the running backs or the quarterbacks on the opposing team to run through, and then all our players don't seem to understand how to take an angle that is appropriate to stop that runner of the football. And so it's just confusing to me. I don't understand. But I am going to give Phil Snow until the beginning of next season before I start casting my, you know, hashtag fire Phil Bennett judgment out there. But I do think we need to see improvement. And I hope there's improvement on that front because honestly, this is the same thing we were dealing with in big gains last season. This is the reason we lost so many close big games last season was we just gave up big plays and that must improve. I'm hoping it will. I'm not confident it will, but we will see what happens as this season progresses and we're about to face a gauntlet of some really good football teams. We'll see how the defense responds. My third big takeaway from the football game against Kansas State is that our offensive line needs to play better. Right, And this is, again, probably sounds like I'm singing the same song for the fifth verse, okay? Last season and this season, the biggest problem on defense has been the big play. The biggest problem on offense has been the offensive line. And to their credit, the run game against Kansas State is the best we've had a run game look probably since Matt Rule became the head coach at Baylor. Considering the fact that Tresson Ebner was our primary ball carrier because Hasty was out most of the game with a suspected concussion and John Lovett was out the entire game, the run game Saturday was impressive. I got to give credit to where credit is due. However, Charlie Brewer is taking some shots in both of the last two games against Oklahoma and Kansas State, taking shots in the pocket running for his life, it feels like, on every single passing down. It's really scary, right? If you're like me and you were there when RG3 took off on a little, you know, I think he was just running out to his right on like an option play and got hit and tore his ACL on a hit that did not look that crushing. Or if you've seen the injuries that happened to Seth Russell, this is probably more appropriate because I think Charlie Brewer compares really well to Seth Russell in a lot of ways in the way that they play football. Seth Russell took two big hits that, you know, shortened his career. If we're being honest, Seth Russell had potential to be an NFL quarterback, certainly at least a backup in the NFL. And his career was derailed by some injuries from big hits. And Charlie's a tough kid. Charlie's shown that he can take big hits and pop up, but you never know, man. You never know with those quarterbacks that like to move around what's going to happen. And so I'd really, if Charlie's going to take a hit, it needs to be the rare occasion that he he's trying to make a play on the run, not when he's dropping back to pass. And every time he's dropping back to pass, he's getting pursued and chased around and he's having to run for his life. And so 
Three big things from Kansas State. One, a win is a win is a win, and I'm happy for our guys, and I was happy with the effort and the attitude. Two, the defense must stop the big play, and that is going to continue to be our Achilles heel until it changes. And three, the offensive line has to protect Charlie Brewer. Has to. I do not want to get on this podcast in the next couple years lamenting that we lost our star quarterback because our offensive line just let him get hit 10 times, 14 times in a game. So those were the three big things for me coming out of the Kansas State game. I have asked some friends of the show to give me a mid-season report card, and I did not define what that is beyond what I just said. I I texted these guys and said, give me a mid-season report card for Baylor. We're halfway through, four and two, some obvious improvements from last season, some obvious gaps and flaws in the team. And so rather than have a guest this week, these guys have sent me their mid-season report cards and we're going to go through all of them. And then I will give you my mid-season report card and then we'll move on with the show. First up is Bears Illustrated writer, reporter, and friend of mine, Tim Watkins. The Baylor Bears are six games through their 12-game schedule, meaning they are 50% done with the regular season. Naturally, now is the perfect time to take a step back and look at where the Bears stand. With four wins and two losses, this is pretty much where most Baylor fans and experts had the Bears at the midway point. Simply put, they have beaten the teams they should have. They beat their FCS opponent this year in Abilene Christian, something they could not say in 2017. Then they defeated UTSA on the road in an uglier game than was probably expected, especially considering the talent that was gone from the Roadrunner team that defeated Baylor in Waco last year. The big tests were to come, though. Taking on Duke in Waco was the first. The first half against Duke was a struggle, down 23 to nothing, and easily the worst half of football the Bears have played thus far. After that came a victory over the Kansas Jayhawks. The lone team Matt Rule beat in 2017. It was a victory, once again, but a third one by a score that some Baylor fans were not happy with. Then came the road test to Oklahoma in a 33-point loss. Finally, most recently, came a tough win over a struggling Kansas State team in Waco on a last-second field goal, 37-34. Overall, it is nice to see a 4-2 record for the Bears, but the teams they have beaten are just 2-4, 3-3, 2-4, That is a combined record of 9-15 with just a single victory from any of those four teams against a Power 5 school which came when Kansas defeated possibly the worst major conference team in Rutgers. If you want to look at the advanced stats, S&P Plus has the Bears beating the teams ranked 125th, 104th, and 97th in the nation, with Abilene Christian not even ranked. The Bears' offense has been a positive, ranking in the top 15 in passing yards, total yards, and first downs. They are averaging 31.67 points per game and are rated as the 22nd best offense in the nation, according to S&P Plus. It is easy to look at this offense and give it a solid B-plus grade on the season. Defensively has been the issues for the Bears, ranking 107th according to S&P Plus and giving up 411 yards per game. They are 116th in the nation, allowing 6.66 yards per play and have 20 plays from scrimmage over 30 yards given up. That is tied for 8th worst in the nation. Go up to 40 yards, it's even worse. That is the second worst team in the nation giving up 14. Big plays have doomed the Bears in their two losses and almost cost them last weekend against Kansas State. For a team that wants to be known as a defensive program first, one built around a strong defense, it is hard to give the Bears anything different than an F grade for defense. With six games to go and likely six games that will see the Bears as underdogs, getting two more wins will be difficult, but not impossible. Hopefully, 
The report cards after the year continue to be as glowing for the Bears' offense while the defense makes much-needed improvements, like the ones we saw under this staff last year. Tim makes some very valid points. I think he's got most of that very right, but let's move on. Next, I've got Shihan Jayaraja, who was our first guest on this season and was one of our best guests in season one as well. You might know Shihan. He writes for Dave Campbell's Texas football, covering Texas college football, and so Shihan sent me this. Baylor's made a lot of strides over the last season. Uh, at this point, they're sitting at 4-2, and two. Four times as many wins they had last season when they just had the one lone win over Kansas. And in a lot of ways, I think that they've played up to that potential, up to that four wins. Now, granted, they should have had a win over Duke as well, in my opinion. I think losing that game was, I don't want to call it unacceptable, but it was disappointing. But still, Baylor's sitting with four wins right now, a year after winning one game. And there have been a lot of strides all over the roster, in my opinion. Offensively, I think the growth is obvious. Uh, since they've turned to quarterback Charlie Brewer as the full-time starter, the offense has been very consistent. Uh, it's done a good job of holding on to the football, being efficient, being consistent. And Brewer is the one who's most to, uh, to credit for that, in my opinion. But Jalen Hurd at wide receiver, he's been everything that Baylor coaches were telling us that he was over the past couple of, uh, over the past season. Denzel Mims continues to be one of the best wide receivers in the Big 12. Um, you know, you have to hope, honestly, that you don't lose him after the season to the NFL, though I think he will come back for his senior year. Chris Platt playing well. Um, Tyquan Thornton has been a real revelation at wide receiver. In the running game, they have a lot of guys to throw out there. Even though they've had some injuries so far this season, they've managed to to mostly stay consistent, and I think that's a big deal. Um, Squirrel Williams obviously being the, the most recent guy to come in and give them a boost. Uh, very explosive playmaker. I'm excited to see more of him whenever Matt Rule decides it's time. Um, but John Lovich, Michael Hasty, Tristan Ebner last weekend, they've got a couple of guys in that rotation who have managed to not just perform well, but also perform well while the offensive line has been inconsistent. And, and they have been inconsistent, unfortunately, especially due to all the injuries in the unit. Defensively, it's a little bit more of a mixed bag. I actually think the defensive line has stepped up fairly consistency, uh, consistently over the past couple of weeks. James Lynch is a true breakout superstar. He's an all-Big 12-type player. He'll be playing on Sundays in a couple of years. But other than that, I don't know if there's really been another standout, though I think the line has done a good job of at least containing what opposing defense or opposing offenses rather have been trying to do. The linebackers have been really bad, in my opinion, and Matt Rule harped on it a little bit at the press conference on Monday, but the linebackers are not playing at a very high level, but the defensive backs are playing all right. As a unit, Baylor's not that far away defensively, and <laughs> little plug, check out textfootball.com. I actually have a, an article up on Baylor and their propensity to give up big plays, especially on touchdowns. A third of their defensive yardage have, has come on touchdowns, and only two of the touchdowns are from within 10 yards. So it's really about buttoning up those big plays because on all other plays, Baylor's only giving up 4.7 yards per uh, per play. And 4.72 yards per play will pretty much get it done. So they just have to work on getting, uh, making those plays the norm and containing those big plays, especially in the second and third level. Overall, I think I'd give Baylor about, eh, I don't know, maybe like a C plus right now. Um, 
they've made some strides. They've had some growth. This is close to what I expected, if maybe a little bit worse on defense so far. But there's clear growth. The, the talent level seems to be improving. I like that you're already seeing some uh, some great performances from some true freshmen like Christian Morgan, JT Woods, Kalen Barnes, Squirrel Williams, Tyquan Thornton. All these guys are going to be big-time contributors for Baylor heading forward. And there's a lot of reason for optimism for Baylor uh heading through the rest of the season and forward. If they can get to six wins, I think that this season is clearly a success, but they won't be favored in any other games from here on out. So now we're going to learn a whole lot about what Baylor is made of, but to this point, I'd have to give them about a C+. Two things I want to say in response to Sheehan real quick. One is he talked rather glowingly about the running backs and the running game, and I wouldn't. And Sheehan did point out that a lot of that was due to inconsistent offensive line play, and I agree. But outside of this past game against Kansas State and against Abilene Christian, who was by far an inferior opponent, we have not been able to run the ball very well. In fact, I think the most effective rusher has honestly been Brewer at many times. And so I do wonder about our ability to run the football, and I'm not convinced we can consistently yet. The The rest of the season will really flesh that out. And I completely agree with Sheehan in that I think to this point, we've seen what we thought we might see, and the real test is beginning this week, right? The rest of the schedule is going to be a gauntlet, and it's going to be tough. And if Baylor's going to make a bowl game, they've got to pull a couple of upsets, and they can't just keep playing the way they've been playing. They need to improve. And so Sheehan's absolutely correct about that. Up next, I've got the man, the myth, the legend responsible for the minor minute. This week, he gets a few minutes to give his midseason report card. Here is Andrew Miner. Hello, and welcome to this special edition of the minor minute uh, midseason report card for the Baylor Bears football team, where we assign letter grades to six categories to the first six games of Baylor's season. The first category is their overall record. It's four and two, two and one in the Big 12. They get an A for this. They couldn't do a whole lot worse than last year's 1-11 record. Virtually, it's a guaranteed 4.0 GPA, kind of like an elective. Uh, and while this is an A, we need to break this down further. Go into the second category, the offense. The offenses looked elite, top 25 in the nation perhaps. They've averaged 500 yards per game of total offense, 15th in the nation, 325 Passing yards per game, 10th in the nation, 174 yards rushing per game, which is 71st in the nation with an upward trend, and about 36 points per game, 37th in the in the nation. Um, these rankings have improved dramatically, about 45 spots on average from the 2007 offensive rankings. Um, the defense competition maybe hasn't been there in, in all of the games, so we'll definitely see how Baylor... Uh, progresses, but they're certainly um, utilizing their weapons right now, A-. minus. The third category on defense, the Bears defense is giving up about 411 yards per game, which is 91st in the nation, 217 passing yards, 51st in the nation, and 193 rushing yards per game, which is 98th in the nation, 32 points given up per game, which is 96. It's still a, a very good improvement from last year. 2017, they're increasing on average about 20 spots. The Achilles heel, of course, has been stopping the big plays for Baylor. Uh, very disastrous. They're not being able to tackle, and, and teams are still gashing them, much like they did last year for, for big runs, um, uh, for big pass plays, touchdowns, and drastically changing momentum. 
We'll see how they can improve. Uh, they, they are making the big play. They got a key interception against Kansas State last week, ultimately won that turnover battle. Uh, right right now, they might be a little bit below average, but I'm going to say they're, they're right at a C-letter grade. Uh, the fourth category is special teams. Really, kickoffs and punts have been fine. Baylor blocked a punt and returned that for a touchdown, which nearly spurred a second-half comeback against Duke. Fielding kicks has been an adventure, uh, most notably Chris Platt's fumble at the nine-yard line to give Oklahoma the ball back and, and really uh, jumpstart the Sooners' offense with uh, Kyler Murray. And then, of course, Connor Martin, the, the field goal kicker, is going to be at the center of the special team's uh, conversation. He was the hero last week. He's 21 of 24 on extra points, 12 of 17 on field goals this season. When he's 40 yards and in, he's 90% accurate. Uh, when he's 40 yards or longer, he's about 42% accurate. But uh, really, when they can get in close, they show that they can execute uh, last-second situations, make kicks consistently, uh, and then, of course, produce game winner. Um, you see the special teams more so than last year, and they're definitely having an impact on games. I'm going to say they're slightly above average just because I think the special teams has allow Baylor to win two games with an onside kick against UTSA and then the game-winning field goal against Kansas State. I'm going to go C-plus um, in that category. Fifth category is coaching. There's still a lot of undisciplined actions on the field, a lot of penalties that have stifled drives or just been unsportsmanlike and kind of boneheaded. The defense still can't stop a nosebleed. Timeouts are burned inexplicably. Yet, you know, there's a lot of brilliant flashes of coaching. Uh, one of the execution of the field goal um, against Oklahoma, uh, being able to utilize the new redshirt rule and and um, seizing momentum when they can with, with trick plays, which always don't don't work. But sometimes they do, sometimes they they don't. And strange as it sounds, I'd like to see a more aggressive approach from from Coach Rule and and, and the staff to be even more more aggressive. Right now, I'm putting the coaching staff at a at a B minus for the year, but definitely think that should be should uh, improve. The the last category, the sixth category, are the are the fans. Right now, I had the fan grade at a D, and here's why. Really, there's too many empty seats in the in the stadium. It, it's really pathetic. Uh, you know, I get there's an opportunity cost you have to weigh when going to a, a game. The Baylor line is 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 never full. It's there's only a few hundred people by the end of the game. I don't understand why students are, aren't, aren't going to the game. I understand a little bit more uh, for fans, alumni that need to drive and make a trip. Just don't get it uh, why the students aren't going. Definitely kind of just uh, obscure and, and, and confusing. And then also just a lot of negativity, um, a lot of venomous negativity just coming from all over the place on social media platforms and, and otherwise, uh, you know, at the game, social media that, that's really perplexing. Uh, I'm not sure why everybody's being so negative about this team, um, acting like they're a losing team when, in fact, they are a winning team. So we'll see. Uh, remember, it's a process. The Bears are somewhere on the hard path of B to Y. Don't compare Baylor to their Zs, uh, their end, their achievements of the past. Um, and as fans, you lose nothing by staying positive or enjoying this week. So that's really where I have Baylor uh, through six games. And We'll see as they go to Austin this week and then beyond uh, how they do. So that's it, and sick and bears. 
You know, honestly, why Andrew is on this podcast every week and why I gave his name to Tim Watkins when Tim was looking for another writer for Bears Illustrated is that Andrew loves Baylor and he is a great fan and alumnus and an excellent representation of Baylor. And so I appreciate what he said about the fans. I did not expect that on any of these report cards. So good on you, Andrew. You're absolutely right. We should be treating each other better on social media. We should be at the football game supporting our team. Y'all have heard me talk about that enough. Props to you, Andrew, for saying that as well. But Andrew, you were way too generous to our defense and special teams, buddy. I'm not going to give my grades just yet, but you were a little generous to our defense and special teams. I think there's still a lot of work to be done on those two aspects of the football team. Next up is my good friend and yours. He's coming in with some hot Bartle takes. This is Michael Bartlemay. Uh, so really quick, Baylor football report card for Scotty. Um, I'd give it overall a B-. minus. We're 4-2. That's a bonus. Two wins away from a bowl game, which I had us pegged at the beginning of the year to go 5-7. and seven. Um, let's break it down really quick. Quarterback, Charlie Brewer gets a, probably an A- minus from me. Shown a little bit of inaccuracy in a couple games, but great escapism, great ability to get the ball out to his receivers. My concern with Charlie still is his arm strength to put the, push, really push the ball downfield, but overall, a great play from Charlie. Running backs, you're probably looking at a B, maybe a B-. minus. They've done a great job catching the ball out of the backfield, making moves in open space. My concern is that they're really not guys that are going to get yards when they're not there. Um, you notice that Jalen Hurd tends to find yards that aren't there, and uh, our backs don't really do that outside of him. Offensive line, I'm going to give them a C. They haven't protected well. They haven't really run blocked well outside of the Kansas State game and the, and the um, Abilene Christian game. Um, I think with Josh Malin coming back, that group will improve. You saw them improve in that K-State game. If they can continue to improve, I think they could probably finish in the B-minus range. Um, but obviously the run game is really predicated on the offensive line, uh, and that's obviously been a struggle all season. However, they're better than last year, where they would have gotten probably an F. Wide receivers, they get an A. Um, they've been awesome. Jalen Hurd is a beast. Denzel Mims is great. Uh, I have nothing to say that hasn't already been said about them. On the defense, defensive line is like, gosh, they're outside of the pass rush, which has been largely good. They've been really bad. Um, their run defense has been absolutely awful. So pass rush is like a B, but the run defense is like a D plus maybe, um, because like they've had moments where they've looked good in run defense, but overall it's been awful. Um, big plays, just miscues, been bad. Linebacking plays is an F. It's it's so bad. Our linebackers are just awful. They're really, really bad. Um, there's nothing else that I can say about it. Um, they continually miss reads. They continually miss gaps. They continually can't get off blocks. The reason why Chris Miller leads the team in tackles is because the linebackers are awful. That's it. That's all there is to it. Um, our safety shouldn't have to make so many plays. Corners actually are pretty good uh, when they're healthy. I think it's like a B plus, like our pass defense outside of the Oklahoma game where I mean, like, I mean, we were never going to stop Oklahoma anyway. Um, I think they've been really great. I think the pass defense, I think the, the corners have been awesome for the most part. Um, safeties. So here's the deal. Chris Miller plays really aggressive 
And I actually kind of love that he makes mistakes playing fast rather than being hesitant. But the problem is, is when he plays fast, he makes a lot of mistakes. Um, but he also makes a lot of good open field tackles. I think the safeties are probably like a D. They're not as bad as the linebackers, but they're still really bad. Um, they miss plays over the top that where they need to be in where they need to be in good coverage. They they are terrible at being the last line of defense on run plays. Like I said, they shouldn't have to make as many plays, but they're being forced to, and they're not doing a very good job of it. Um, so there you go. Um, I think the the offense has been pretty good. I think it's probably like a probably the offense is like a B plus, but the defense is probably like a C. Pass defense, I think, has been pretty good outside of the Oklahoma game. And the run defense is, is really, really bad. So that's all there is to it. Thanks. I want to push back on Michael with this one thing. And we actually had this conversation Saturday after he watched Baylor and Kansas State. He is critical of the linebackers because the safeties are being exposed as poor tacklers and because the safeties are taking bad angles. Now, our linebackers are not great. I think Clay Johnson is a stud and a playmaker, but our linebacking core and the way they have played has been bad. So I'm not taking that away from Michael. However, to blame your safety's poor play on the linebackers because, quote, they shouldn't have to make those plays is erroneous. Because, listen, in 2011, safety Mike Hicks was third on Baylor's football team with 105 tackles. He ranked eighth in the Big 12 with 8.1 tackles per game, and he was playing behind Bryce Hager, who's still in the NFL, Elliot Coffey, who we all know was a stud and also played in the NFL, and Ahmad Dixon, who had just moved down into that hybrid bear linebacker slash safety rule. And so to say that a safety should not have a lot of tackles on your football team is just incorrect. A good safety, think about Roy Williams with the Dallas Cowboys, right? A great safety is going to make big tackles in the run game. And we don't have any that can do it. And Chris Miller does lead the team in tackles. But he, I would assume, also leads the team in missed tackles and missed open field tackles and big plays responsible for giving up. So while I agree with Michael that the linebackers have not played well, the safeties deserve just as much, if not more, flack. It's not the linebackers' fault that safeties aren't making plays. Safeties should be able to make plays in the run game, and ours can't. So that's my only pushback on Michael, and we had that conversation this past weekend. But love you, Mike. Thanks for your input. Last but absolutely not least, the Baylor legend, the all-time greatest running back at Baylor football. Here's Terrence Ganaway with his midseason report card for the Baylor Bears. Hey, it's Terrence Gunnaway breaking down Baylor football grades by units and sides of the ball. I'm going to start out with special teams. Special teams gets a C minus because we have yet to feel, have a game where we field a clean punt or a kickoff and be able to advance the field. I think we have a ton of athletes that can you know, do some really good damage with the ball in their hands. But it seemed like no matter if we put senior wide receivers back there, young freshman guys, doesn't matter. Doesn't seem to click that this is a big part of the game and turnovers will never win you the game if you're on the minus side of the stick. So C minus there. 
I'm going to go with offense next. Offense, I'm going to give offense a B plus. Offense has really been clicking lately. Uh, Every since the Oklahoma game, Baylor had over 90 plus plays each of those last two games against Oklahoma and Kansas State. Charlie Brewer has thrown the ball extremely well for 416 yards a week. Well, I guess, um, I guess your boy McClendon had a couple of passes in that game as well, but threw over 400 yards. Uh, collectively as a team. And then Kansas State, we almost had 300 yards, but we had a ton of rush yards on the ground against Kansas State. 48 attempts, our most attempts all year long, 261 yards per uh, on the ground. What that really tells me is that Baylor was averaging on the ground per last week 5.44 yards per carry. Uh, we are giving up a buttload uh, last week against Kansas State. Uh, but we were able to run the ball effectively, meaning that our offensive line is gelling a lot better. Just to put this in perspective, UTSA and Oklahoma was the best two defensive units we faced as far as front seven and stopping the run. We averaged 2.9 yards of carry against UTSA, and then we averaged 2.03 yards of carry against Oklahoma. So big uptick, maybe we're starting to gel together. Like I told people in the media, I think that Oklahoma was a moral victory for our offense. Offense fought hard the entire game. I'm going to give our offense a B plus. Running backs are starting to gel. We got two receivers that just got added to the Belitnikov or Hurd just got added with Mims to the Belitnikov watch list. I think we need to get our other running backs involved a little bit more. Hasty has had a great year. Um you know, I, I think we have a lot of ton of talent with our young running backs and Ebner being able to catch the ball out of the backfield and pose some threats to some mismatch problems against Texas this weekend. Also, Craig Williams. I don't foresee Craig Williams having a big game against Texas if he, he gets in. I think he's talented. Uh, this is a big stage and Baylor needs to go down there and win. Obviously, he can help us win. Um, and then, you know, receivers are starting to make some really big plays. Um, the thing I need to worry about is we had two offensive turnovers last week. One defensive guy, great jump on the route, intercepted the ball. Uh, the rest is history. And then one where we did a trick play and um, we probably should have ate it, threw it in there. Probably would have ended up being a punt. Um, and that's probably as good as a punt, being able to throw the ball in the end zone. So no worries there. Feel good about it. B-plus for offense. Defense. Uh, I'm going to break it down. D-line is probably a C-plus. D-line is giving up six point, I think, one yards per carry on the year. Last weekend, we gave up nine and nine over nine yards of carry. Uh, and all of those are coming in big plays. And it's not always the defense alignment fault, but our defense alignment are getting washed left and right and creating huge gaps and huge running lanes for our, the running backs. Easier for the, the the pulling guards and tackles to climb up in those, get on our linebackers, and maybe even up to our safeties. Leading to our next point, linebackers are not really fitting well with the, the defense. Uh, so I'm going to give D lineman C+. Plus. Linebacker is going to be uh, a C-. minus. Clay Johnson is the best linebacker on the team, I believe. There's a lot of young, young talented guys. But when it comes to full-on blocking and, and taking on a block, our guys bury their heads in the block, and they don't really force a running back to go one way or another. And so it, it, 
Passing-wise, I think they've dropped under some routes and made some really good plays for us. Um, and they've been able to create some pressure and rush. But defensively, the linebacking core enabled to fit and, and close and collapse running games. And all this is, you know, works in tandem. The defensive line got to make sure they're holding gaps uh, because you keep everything else, else, else looking as far as linebacker and secondary, which moved me to my third point. I think secondary in the past game, they played really well outside of Oklahoma. But in the tackling game, I give secondary a D because um, angles, angles, angles. Each and every week. Last year we had it with Davion Hall. This year it's Chris Miller. But it's not just him. It's other people all across the field that are – I mean, they're in great position. They have great, you know, speed and they got great tackling ability. It's just I don't I don't know and I, I I don't even know if you can teach angles. Angles were were innate to me when I played high school safety. I never played at this level of ball, um, but it's, it's one of those things. Is it kind of works out in your head and you're like, okay, this guy's gonna be here, and let me go here and force him one way or another, and make the tackle, and. From the gap and the field perspective, from you know filling the gap perspective from the secondary is just not there. Defensively, they're doing well. We're getting turnovers. We had interception last week by McVay. Uh, I mean, I, I think they're starting to turn the corner, but the chunk plays are killing us. I think I read uh, uh, Shaheen's you know post earlier this week about Baylor has allowed ten touchdowns over thirty yards in the last few games so i mean just can't do that you can't win games by giving up big plays it's demoralizing luckily our offense is starting to click and um it's starting to play better so overall i'm gonna get our offense a b plus i think the offensive lineman will have a huge test this weekend against texas front seven uh but i think we'll run the ball 35 40 times and get after them wear them down and we're gonna have to go for it on fourth down i think we've only went to fourth on fourth down four times this year uh i think we're gonna have to go for it on fourth down and convert and get these guys playing some really good ball um and then uh you know special teams is definitely a c minus um um i think that's what i said earlier in the segment it's a c minus i think as of today and then defense overall, I'm gonna give that t- that that unit a C, um, just because of the big plays and the gap responsibilities that are continuing to be the problem for this team. Thanks to my friend Terrence Ganaway for contributing that. And as for me, I'll just put it this way: I would give our offense a B plus. I'd give them a B plus. The running game has been pretty dismal in most of our football games outside of Kansas State and ACU. The passing game has played extremely well when we can protect the quarterback. In the past two weeks, I've been really discouraged by how much Charlie's had to run for his life and get away from heavy pressure, how many hits he's taken. Again, I said it earlier, but it does worry me. And so I would give our offense a B plus. They are doing what we need them to do. The offense is definitely playing well enough to win football games. B plus for them. On the defensive side of the ball, though, I don't know if I can give them better than a C minus, and I'd probably give them a D plus. Listen, I like some players on that defense. I love James Lynch. I love Clay Johnston. I love Derek Thomas and Harrison Hand. 
there are some good players on that defense, but the defense has not come together very well yet this season. And giving up the big plays over and over and over. You heard, I think it was Andrew Miner just a few minutes ago, giving you those statistics for the defenses rated 90-some-odd and 100-some-odd in all of these categories. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And for a guy like Matt Rule, who prides himself on defensive, tough, hard-nosed football teams, we don't have that. And so I need to see our defense play better. And so I'd give him a D plus, maybe a C minus, and certainly a C plus, B minus in moments. But overall this season, D plus, it must improve. And for special teams, that probably go pretty similar. D, D plus. I've been disappointed by the missed extra points. You know, long field goals are are not a guarantee in college, and I still like Connor Martin, right? Like we all like Connor Martin; he's awesome. But the missed extra points are frustrating. The blocked kick is frustrating. The muffs on kickoffs, punts, bad returns on kickoffs, like every week. It's been rough. It's been rough. So I give the special teams a D, and I think the special teams could turn around and improve quickly. It just hasn't. And that's probably the area of football that is most underappreciated, right? Like Art Bryles didn't even have a special teams coach when he was here, didn't have anybody coaching it, just said, ah, we'll just go out there and do pooch kicks. And it was the Achilles heel of some of his teams, okay? So special teams and defense has to improve. But as for the team overall to this point, they have done exactly what I told you they would do to this point. Do you remember? In my game-by-game preseason predictions, I predicted that we would lose to Duke, because they were our first real opponent, and they were that much better than us. And I predicted we would squeak out a win against Kansas State. We've done that. We are 4-2. and two. This is what I anticipated to this point in the season. What will be interesting is I also predicted we would go 5-7. and seven, And I predicted we would get a game against Texas Tech. I think that's still possible. But Tech is a lot better than I thought they were. Oklahoma State's another team we might be able to beat at home. They are not as good as I thought they might be. I don't think we win in Ames. I don't think we win in Morgantown. I don't think we win in Austin. I don't think we win against TCU. Maybe we get one of those upsets, and I would be thrilled. But I still expect us to finish 5-7, and seven, and I won't be upset. Frustrated? Sure. Do I want to go to a bowl game? Absolutely. Do I want Baylor to win? Yeah. But you know... I said we'd go 5-7 and seven this year, and that would be marked improvement from last season. And it already is. And so if we just win one of these next few games, I think I'll be satisfied as a fan to see that progress and hope for a big leap next season. We'll have to see how the offseason goes, but hoping for a big leap next season. It's going to be fascinating to see how the rest of this year plays out. We're going to find out just how good this football team is in the next two or three weeks next two or three weeks. And we'll be talking to you here on Please Bear With Me, breaking it all down. So I wanted to start a new segment here on Please Bear With Me, and we're going to do this for the next several weeks. And I've got to give credit. I cannot remember who it was. This was probably a month and a half ago. But somebody, some Baylor fan was doing this on Twitter about a month and a half ago, and I thought it was a great idea. So I'm going to give you my top five Baylor players at every position for this decade, so 2010 to present. So anybody that played in 2010 all the way through current is eligible for this list. 
Some of these lists are going to be kind of obvious. For instance, today I'm going to do quarterbacks and there's just not a ton to choose from, right? Like there's six or seven to choose from for a top five. So you probably won't be surprised by who's on the list, but you might be surprised by how I ranked them. But for some of the other positions like wide receiver, I had a really, really hard time and I'm still by two or three weeks from now when I get to wide receivers, I might reorder them truthfully, you know? Linemen. I put linemen into one category currently. I may change that up and do D-line and O-line. But if you just try to do linemen on either side of the ball and rank your top five from this decade, it's really difficult. And so we're going to go through quarterbacks today. So I've got the top five Baylor quarterbacks of this decade starting in 2010 through the present. And here's how I rank them starting at number five. Charlie Brewer. This isn't close, okay? Give me Charlie Brewer over Zach Smith, over Anu Solomon, and over Jarrett Stidham, who, by the way, I really like and have wished him all the best since he left, and I think he could have been elite here. But Charlie Brewer has already come into his own as a great quarterback. He was second-team preseason All-Big 12 this year, and he's only a true sophomore. I really think by his junior or senior year, Charlie Brewer is going to lead the nation in a ton of offensive categories. I like the way he plays. He plays with moxie, swagger, no fear. He's a fiery leader for that football team on the field. I love Charlie Brewer. You heard me saying it since preseason last year that I love Charlie Brewer. So he cracks the list at number five, and I suspect by the time he's done with his Baylor career, he will move up a few spots on this list as well. At number four, I've got Bryce Petty. Whoa, he's only number four. No, listen. This is no disrespect to Bryce Petty that he's number four, and I'll I'll explain why he's ranked behind a few of the other guys in a second. Bryce Petty is amazing. Like, I cannot say enough good things about Bryce Petty. He is the captain, the quarterback of the two Big 12 championship teams that Baylor has. The only two, right? Stud. Bryce Petty was an excellent quarterback in Art Briles' system. He made a lot of big throws in his career. He did not turn the ball over a lot. I take a little bit away from him in terms of I wish he was more mobile. And we all remember the banana peel on the five-yard line at Oklahoma State, right? But I'm not going to take too much away from Bryce. I met Bryce while he was a student here, and he was overwhelmingly kind and generous and just seemed like a good guy. He's had a good NFL career to this point, playing in the league for three or four years now. I wish Bryce Petty nothing but the best. He comes in at number four, and that is not a slight against him, because here's who I have at number three, Seth Russell. Is Seth Russell as historically relevant as Bryce Petty? No. Is Seth Russell as good of, right, we could put that in quotes, a quarterback statistically as Bryce Petty? Probably not, but I think most of us were really excited to see what Seth Russell could do in that offense in 2015. I think most of us really thought that team, maybe alongside the 2013 Baylor Bears, but certainly the 2015 Baylor Bears was a team that could have made a run at a national title if it weren't for a string of injuries, particularly at quarterback. Seth Russell that year was on fire, and he and Corey Coleman were hooking up for ridiculously awesome touchdowns. I mostly put Seth Russell here at number three because of the way he played is I like the quarterbacks like Charlie, like number two on this list, who I'll tell you in a minute, but I like the quarterbacks who play fearless, who are not afraid to take a hit, who have some moxie, and 
I hate that it ruined his career, that two big hits derailed what could have been a long NFL career, I believe, for Seth Russell. He was accurate. He was deceptively fast. Deceptively fast. Probably the second just pure speed quarterback we had right after RG3. And here's the other reason I've got to give Seth Russell a high mark. Is if you looked at the way Seth Russell led that Baylor football team through a season in which Art Bryles had been fired, Jim Grobe had been brought on, a lot of players were hurting, a lot of players were vocalizing their distrust of Baylor and their frustration with what had happened. Seth Russell was on a mission trip when Art Bryles was fired, right? And he gets back. And he did nothing but advocate for the university, lead that football team with the highest character, with unshaken ethical morality. And I I just cannot say enough about Seth Russell, the person. And maybe that shouldn't factor into a list like this, but I think his leadership during that tough year, losing Art Bryles, playing under Jim Grobe in a season that became incredibly frustrating down the stretch... And then continuing to be an advocate for Baylor and a leader in the community and a leader on the football team, even after the devastating injury that ended his career, I got to give Seth Russell props. He played the game the right way, and I've already talked way too long just about him, but love Seth Russell. Cannot say enough good things about Seth Russell. He comes in at number three. At number two, I've got Nick Florence. This may be where I get the most flack from some of you on Twitter later today or maybe tomorrow because Nick Florence is the least impressive quarterback out of all of these just in terms of athleticism, right? Like Bryce Petty's big and strong, looks like an NFL quarterback. Charlie Brewer and Seth Russell are just elite at running the ball. Robert Griffin is Robert Griffin, okay? So Nick Nick Florence underwhelms, but we all forget that the one year Nick Florence was a starter at Baylor, we did go eight and five, which I know was a little bit of a down year, but we beat the number one team in the nation. We dominated UCLA in a bowl. And going into bowl season, Nick Florence put up more total yards than Heisman winner Johnny Manziel. More total yards than Robert Griffin had, I believe. I need to double check that actually. But I believe he had just as many or more total yards than Robert Griffin did the year previous winning a Heisman. Like the dude balled out. And yes, he had a rough game against TCU. And I've interviewed him since that game. And he will tell you that was the worst game of his career. And and he owns it. But Nick Florence was a stud on the field. And again, almost for the same reason I like Seth Russell, I like Nick Florence for his moxie, for his leadership, for doing things the right way, for being willing to sacrifice a red shirt year to play one half to help Baylor win a football game in 2011. Nothing but good things to say about Nick Florence. I think he's supremely underrated, especially by people that didn't watch him play. And I love the guy. I have nothing but good things to say. He comes in at number two. He would be number one. And I was tempted to put him at number one for how much I like him, but you can't put anybody above number one. RG3, right? Robert Griffin is transcendent. Robert Griffin is the athlete that Baylor fans will remember 30 years from now. 40, 50, 60. I mean, outside of Mike Singletary, Baylor has not had another player of this caliber ever. He was incredible. He resurrected a program. He won the school's first Heisman Trophy. And maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe it's only Heisman Trophy for a long time, if we're being realist. 
He won a Big 12 track championship as an 18-year-old first-semester true freshman at Baylor. And the dude is simply, I mean, I believe he's a top five dual threat college quarterback of all time. And top five is is significant when you put him up there with guys like Tim Tebow, Vince Young, Cam Newton, Mike Vick. Like, he is in that class. Johnny Manziel, he's in that class. And I think he's a better thrower than most of those guys I just named. Maybe all of them. I mean, Robert Griffin was unbelievable. I think we recognize how good he was. I mean, there's a statue outside the stadium for crying out loud. But I don't think we appreciate how fun it was watching him play. I was at his first game where he came in as a true freshman. And on his second play, he had that epic back juke move that's on all the highlight tapes. And I was just, you know, a high schooler. And I remember walking out of Floyd Casey and asking my dad, could that guy win a Heisman Trophy? Because he was electric. You could see it from the first snap he took at Baylor. And my dad said, Baylor's got to win a lot more games if he's going to win a Heisman. 10 wins was enough. Robert Griffin, greatest Baylor football player of all time, had to be number one on this list. Real quick, just to preview the game coming up, I don't think there's any way we beat Texas. Call me a realist or a pessimist, whatever you want to call me. It's just going to be tough. Texas has proven, I'm not going to say Texas is back, quote unquote, but they have proven they're real. I mean, they beat Oklahoma, who beat us by 33. And I know that the transitive property of college football is a stupid concept, right? But Texas has a good team. Sam Ellinger is really coming into his own this season. They've got two stud wide receivers, especially little Jordan Humphrey. That guy can play. I mean, that guy's going to be playing on Sundays very soon. He is good. I don't think our defense is capable of stopping them. I really see this game as a potential shootout. Texas's defense is elite. I mean, they're, they're probably the best defense in the Big 12. I still think we'll post 30 points on them. I just think Texas is going to post 45 or 50 on us. I think this is going to look very similar to the Oklahoma game. And I think Baylor fans need to be okay with that. And I am okay with that. And as long as we put up a good fight, put up a good showing in Austin, I'll be happy. I think where we really need to set our sights for wins is Oklahoma State or Texas Tech. If we can get an upset in Austin, I will get on here and be freaking out next week. But it's going to be a rough go. And I will have more on this matchup. We do Please Bear With Me, the show So at 8 p.m. Friday night, right the evening before the game, I will be on Facebook Live and Periscope. Fine, please bear with me on both. And I will break down this matchup even further and dive into some of the nitty-gritty of it, some of the stats of it. We'll talk about the matchup. I'll take your questions live on the show. Please bear with me the show, Facebook Live and Periscope. Would love for you to tune in for that. That's all the time we've got for this week. Again, I appreciate you hanging in there with me. I know we didn't have an episode last week, and I'm very sorry, but I appreciate the prayers. I appreciate the kind words. Would love to meet all of you at Baylor's next home game. If you'd like to hang out, just shoot me a tweet. Let's go grab something to eat, and that would be great. Really appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Happy to be doing this every week, man. It's a pleasure, and it's a privilege, and I'm blessed, and so thank you very much. Sick'em Bears. Let's go get an upset victory in Austin. Who the heck knows, right? Please Bear With Me is brought to you by Bears Illustrated over at Baylor 247. Thanks to my man Tim Watkins over there. Thanks to Iron Kids for all the music you heard on today's podcast. Go check them out, Iron Kids on SoundCloud. I've been Scotty Swingler, and this is Please Bear With Me. Please Bear With Me.